0: whatever analogy you want to, but kind of tell you a little bit about how we've been welcomed here. Um, I've received several texts by different people uh, just over the last month, basically, and I appreciate that. It's very encouraging and everything, but uh, the Monday after you voted me in, I got a text from Brian and, and Brandy, and he had a few questions about paychecks and things, and and he said, by the way, he said, we would like to take you and Karen out to dinner. Okay. So we arranged that next f- Saturday to meet in Owasso because we found a restaurant we liked and they wanted to meet us there. And, and so we got got to eating and talking about how we met, how they met, and how I grew up in Owasso. And I talked about dragging Main Street in Owasso all the time. I, if I had a nickel for every time I went up down Main Street, I'd be a millionaire. And, and I, then I mentioned something about... How Out at the old German corner was where the first Walmart was. It had three Walmarts now. And so we're done with our dinner, and and Brandy says, let's drag Main Street. So they leave their truck there, and we go up and down Main Street in me and Karen's truck for a while. And she said, where was that Walmart? What's a German corner? I said, well, it's the old 169 on Highway 20. It was a German Mennonite, you know, uh, families moved out there. But that's where the Walmart was. She goes, show us. So we... Jumped on the new 169, and we're headed down there, and I exit at Highway 20 and, of course, head west towards the old German corner. And uh, by the time we got to that German corner where the Atwoods is at now and some kind of ollies, I got pulled over by a highway patrol. (sighs) And I'm thinking, oh, what'd I do? And so as I pull into the parking lot, I kind of look over there at Karen, and her hands are on the dash so tight that her fingers have dug into the dash. And I'm thinking, what's wrong with Karen? I look in the back seat. Brian's kind of twitching a little bit, and he's patting Brandy's arm saying, we're okay, we're okay. And she just, in hospice, we call it the pinpoint stair gates. And she's just gazing out the windshield, and I'm thinking, well, so Yeah. You know. and about that time the highway truman gets there, I have my license, I have my registration, my insurance, and I roll down the window, and he says, license, registration. I give it to him. He goes, and he looks back there. He looks at Brian and Brandy and looks at Karen. He goes, y'all all right? And they, they don't say anything. And I say, yeah, we're, we're fine. So he goes back to obviously go check on my license tag and wants and warrants. And, and I'm just still kind of amazed at what they're doing. And So he comes back, and he says, so here's your license, registration, and everything. You, you have no wants and warrants, Mr. Holstein. He said, but do you know how fast you are going? I said, well, I was going 20. He said, you were what? He said, yeah, I know. He says, the speed limit here is 45. I said, well, it says 20 on that sign." He said, well, that's Highway 20. The speed limit's 45. I said, oh, okay, okay. And he says, are your passengers okay? I said, yeah, they're fine. And he looks over there at Brandy, who had been staring the whole time, and she quietly says, we just got off 169. But anyway, so, so I told him I'd tell him a joke on him. But I just wanted to break the ice. Um, I won't be doing this every Sunday. I know when when I was at Valley View, I would tell little corny jokes. And there was a particular youth that would say, I'm looking forward to your joke before you preach. And so I would tell corny jokes. But we're going to be in Luke chapter 1. Luke chapter 1. What we're going to do is we're going to have the journey to the manger. And typically I would preach maybe a Christmas message on the 24th. But because we're kind of starting on December 3rd here, we're going to have a, a Christmas message the 3rd, the 10th the 17th and the 24th. We're going to have a journey to the manger. So if you would turn your Bibles to Luke chapter 1, and we're going to look at verses 26 through 38. And I'm sorry I had to pick on Brandy and Brian, but uh, I did give him a little, I gave him a heads up. I don't know if she knew about it, but uh, but anyway, so I may do that to you sometime. And of course, hopefully the joke will be on me, but this time it was on uh, Brandy and Brian. If you would, please read with me there in Luke chapter 1, verse 26 through 38. Stand if you desire. And I'm sporting a new study Bible that I'm starting to mark up, and it's a little bit different. It's New King James Version, so my bifocals are getting kind of weird, so here we go. Now, in the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent by God to the city of Galilee named Nazareth. To a virgin betrothed to a man whose name was Joseph. Of the house of David, the virgin, virgin's name was Mary. And having come in, the angel said to her, Rejoice, highly favored one. The Lord is with you. Blessed are you among women. But when she saw him, she was troubled at his saying and considered what manner of greeting this was. Then the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. And behold, you will conceive in your womb and bring forth a son and shall call his name Jesus. He will be great and he will be called the son of the highest. And the Lord God will give him the throne of his father David. And he will reign over the house of Jacob forever. And of his kingdom there shall be no end. Then Mary said to the angel, how can this be since I do not know a man? And the angel answered and said to her, the Holy Spirit will come upon you and the power of the highest will overshadow you. Therefore also the Holy One who is to be born will be called the Son of God. Now indeed, Elizabeth, your relative, has also conceived a son in her old age. And this is now the sixth month for her who was called barren. For with God nothing will be impossible. Then Mary said, Behold the servant of the Lord. Let it be to me according to your word. And the angel departed from her. Let's pray. Dear me, Father, we come to you this morning. And, Father, we we lift our hearts and our minds to you. And we pray that our minds would be renewed as believers. To be transformed and, and reflect Christ. But, Father, that our spirits, our hearts would be refreshed, encouraged instructed as we look to your word for guidance, for direction, for hope, for truth, for discernment. So help us today, Father, to worship you with our attention, with our eyes, and our actions. And we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. As I said, the, the, the series that we're going to do for the next four weeks is The Journey to the Manger. And this morning in Luke chapter 1, verse 26 to 38, the message is called the supernatural conception of the Savior. The supernatural conception of the Savior. This is an important uh, uh, element of the birth of Christ. I mean, uh, other pagan religions have talked about how their deities have cohabitated with women and had, had... babies and things, and and so they they may want to interject, well, that's what God did, and we read in the text there. It was a supernatural thing. It was a miracle. The Spirit of God just put the baby in her womb. It was a miracle. Why is that important? Because it it not only depicts the idea that he is divine, fully divine, because he's the Son of God, right? But he's also sinless as the Son of Man because there was no normal procreation going on with two, two simple humans, he was conceived by a miracle of God. So he's fully God, but yet fully man. Fully God so that he could understand and come down and be that one sacrifice that only God can give, and, but yet, and therefore sinless, but also <coughs> fully man who had fulfilled the law, fulfilled what God required to also be sinless. He, he's the only one that could be the sacrifice. So it's important that we understand that this is a supernatural, a miraculous conception. It's not some, some deity and human cohabitation of some level. Earlier in the story there in Luke, a priest named Zacharias was rotating his deeds, his, his obligations in the temple and of course and 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 it referenced Elizabeth there, Elizabeth was his wife, and Elizabeth happened to be mary's cousin and During that time that Zacharias was in that temple, he was there burning some incense and and the angel Gabriel came to him first and told him that he was going to have his wife was going to have child, and he was like, "You know we're old, how does that be and he didn't understand, and he didn't really want to believe, and so therefore, once Gabriel revealed to him how this this baby they were going to have would be great, uh, just like the Spirit of God revealed through the book of Luke that Jesus would be great, but yet he would be the great most high, some of the most high. John would just be a great man, and Zacharias didn't believe it, so he was kind of mute for a period of time. When he came out of the temple, the text says that the people just kind of figured he had some kind of vision, so that's why he couldn't speak. And the point is, is that John was being given to Elizabeth and Zacharias as a miracle of their old age. And we saw in the text that Jesus would come through an immaculate, perfect conception, a sinless conception. And the difference is, is that hers and his was still a miracle, like Jesus' birth would be a miracle, but the point is, is it's nothing's impossible with God whether it was Mary or Zacharias in this message. And as the, as the story begins to develop, then we enter the text where six months later, after Zacharias and Elizabeth figure out that they, they had this baby named John, during that pregnancy, that's then when Gabriel comes to visit Mary after her six months. And so we'll see next week where Mary visits with Gabriel and the, the baby and even Elizabeth kind of leap with the Holy Spirit, they know what Mary's carrying. But this morning, we're going to talk about that virgin birth, that supernatural conception that is, that is an essential doctrine that we would believe, because otherwise Jesus is tainted if he's of man. So, so he's fully God, but yet fully man, but yet without sin. Therefore, he's the perfect Savior. So Gabriel tells Mary in our text... You are favored or you are graced by God. You will, as a virgin, conceive the Savior, God's only son. And I keep messing with my earpiece. uh, So if I do, don't let that distract you. You will give him, uh, God will give her a virgin birth. and And he tells her in the text, you'll name him Jesus and he'll be the son of the most high. So this virgin birth, this, as we would say, immaculate conception, this supernatural, miraculous conception is first and foremost in this time of walking to the manger and seeing the Savior born in this world to, to, to take, take away his people's sins. So in verse 26 and 28, the virgin is given God's favor. We see in verse 26 to 28 that the Virgin Mary is given God's favor. Read verse 26 and 28 with me again. Now in the sixth month, that is six months after Elizabeth was conceived of having John, now in the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent by God to a city of Galilee named Nazareth to a virgin betrothed to a man whose name was Joseph, of the house of David. The virgin's name was Mary. And having come in, the angel said to her, Rejoice, highly favored or highly graced one. The Lord is with you. Blessed are you among women. <coughs> this virgin is given God's favor. This is important. It is very gospel centric. It's very gospel applied. Because in this verse, it said that God's favor came to her. The angel was sent and came to her. Mary wasn't seeking any encounter with God. Mary wasn't thinking, hmm, I wonder if God, I wonder if I can find God. She wasn't doing anything, but but, but God came to her. The favor of God came to her while she wasn't even seeking him out. And God's favor was bestowed upon her, bestowed upon her, whether she deserved it or not. And what we see just in those two verses is an element of the gospel that we all must know. And and, and we alluded to it in Sunday school. We've alluded to it many times since I've been here. That when God bestows grace upon us, bestows favor upon us, we weren't seeking it out. We definitely don't deserve it. That's why it's called grace. And what he's telling this virgin Mary, he says, look, God has given you favor. Favor you don't deserve, not not even a favor that you were even, I mean, because listen, Mary wasn't sitting there going, Lord, I would like to have your son. I'd like to birth the Savior, did she? She wasn't seeking it out. She was probably just doing her own thing like people are every day in every life. And the virgin was given God's favor when she wasn't seeking it out, when she didn't even deserve it. And the text says that God gave it to her. He gave it to her because why? Because God has a plan. And that leads to verse 29 through 33. The virgin was not only given God's favor, but in that encounter of favor... The virgin is told God's plan. He engages her and says, you're favored. God has bestowed upon you grace. You didn't seek it out. You don't deserve it, but God has bestowed upon you grace. Among all women, you have been graced. So what does that tell you? That tells you, number one, that Mary is just like you and I. She needs God to seek us out. And she needs God to engage us and i I think we alluded alluded to it when we were in Sunday school, but you know we love him, why? Because he first loved us, and that was the only reason I can even turn to God and say, "I love you at any level is because God first revealed his love to me, how he died for me, and this virgin is giving god's favor and then in verse twenty nine to thirty three the virgin is told god 's plan look at verse twenty nine through thirty three <clears throat> But when she saw him, she was troubled at his saying. She was troubled at his saying. What do you mean? You've graced me. What do you mean? I'm favored. She was troubled at his saying and considered what manner of greeting this was. She was bewildered. She was in awe. Then the angel said to her, he told her, right? Do not be afraid. Mary, he calls her by name, doesn't he? For you have found favor with God. Not because she bestowed anything in herself. She has just found, she's found out that God has bestowed upon her favor. And behold, you will conceive in your womb and bring forth a son and shall call his name Jesus he will be great, and he will be called the son of the highest. And the Lord God will give him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over the house of Jacob, that is Israel, forever. And of his kingdom, there will be no end. Well, we've seen how the the Virgin Mary, who wasn't seeking out God, who didn't deserve any of God's grace. We've seen how God has, said, has come to her, and we see how God has bestowed upon her this grace, this favor, and she's a little bewildered by it. I mean, she's just, she'd be like us. Yes, well, What does that mean? I mean, number one, an angel's come to see me, a messenger from God, and he's saying, I'm favored. He's saying this. Well, God never leaves us hanging, does he? When I was standing in that, in that pew in 1983, I became very overwhelmed of, number one, my own guilt and my own lack of deserving anything, but I also had an overwhelming sense that, that God was doing something. I, I didn't know it necessarily was God. All I knew was I was feeling this tug to cry out to God. And when he saved me, I, I, I didn't deserve it. And I tell you what, when I came to church that Sunday morning, that Sunday night, I wasn't seeking God out. I was seeking friendship. I'm a very relationship type person. And at that time of my life, I was already to give up my life. I, I didn't think life was worth living. My mom was dying in the hospital of Crohn's disease. My girlfriend was dating other guys but yet wanted to marry me. I didn't understand all that. I was doing fine, working, and everything, but I just life was over for me at age 21. You know, self-pity. But that's where I was. So when I came to church that morning with my friend, it's because I wanted to be around people. I didn't want to be constantly thinking about how life is not worth living. And, 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 and I had a few clean jokes so I could tell them in Sunday school and people laugh at me and you know, be, pay attention to it. It was all self-motivated. But when God opened my eyes, of not only my, my need of a Savior, and then opened my eyes that He was a Savior, I realized I wasn't seeking Him out. I didn't get anything I deserved, but I but I turned to him and he gave me what I needed. He didn't leave me hanging with this wonder, this introduction of him tugging on my heart. He told me his plan, so to speak. Look at verse twenty nine through thirty three. As we said, we, we read those, and and the and the angel Gabriel gave an explanation to the original engagement. As as Gabriel came and. Came to Mary and engaged her with the truth that God has given her grace, God has given her favor that she wasn't seeking and deserving. Then he gives an explanation what that's all about in her case. God's plan was revealed to her to give her peace. Because it says when she heard that greeting, it, it troubled her. It's like, what do you mean God's given me grace? Because she was probably thinking, I don't deserve God's grace. I know that's how I felt the moment God revealed his grace to me. I don't deserve it. I I definitely grabbed a hold of it. But she was being revealed God's plan because that revelation, that, that unfolding of the plan of God's favor and grace gave her peace. And the angel said, don't be afraid. I know what I've told you you weren't seeking. I know what I told you you don't deserve. But I'm telling you, God's grace is upon you. You're a blessed woman. And he says, don't be afraid. In other words, be at peace. Don't be afraid when I say that. God's plan was revealed to to not only give her peace, but God's plan was clarified so that she would understand the purpose of this very grace, this purpose of this very favor. Because it said that he told her, do not be afraid, that God has found favor with you. Don't be afraid of that. Have peace about that. And he says, because the reason this has happened is because one will be conceived in you who will be the son of the most high, who will have an eternal kingdom. He will have. It. He gave purpose. So in this virgin being told God's plan, it gave her peace about what she wasn't seeking, what she didn't deserve, but it was being bestowed upon her. And, and that plan not only revealed to her, peace about that but it gave her an explanation to understand the purpose of all this amazement of all this grace of all this favor when you and i get saved when god opens our eyes uh, at least for me all i knew is man i'm saved that's all i knew and i i remember they had sandwiches that night and i got home about ten thirty, eleven 30 o'clock because after they had had sandwiches and kool-aid and everything else they could have i drove out to the rodeo area where i used to play soccer and just nobody out there but a bunch of cows and me and i guess another cow or bull whole thing but i just I, and I, and and i discovered that night a christian radio station i don't know how i did it just you know push the buttons and they had on music and it was all new to me other than the hymns that i'd already been singing And I remember I opened up the doors of that F-150 Explorer. And I mean, I had a power booster out in the middle of nowhere. But I'm sure there were neighbors out there somewhere. And I was power boosting this Christian music. And I'm just walking up and down this parking lot thinking, what has just happened to me? I don't deserve this. I wasn't seeking it out. And God began to maybe work in my heart, explain some things to me. Yeah, you didn't deserve it, but that's what his son came to die for. That, that's what you've learned in Sunday school when you were a kid, Steve. That's what the preacher was talking about. And God began to unfold, uh, maybe not all the details, but I, sensed a, I had a sense of purpose now. And then I remembered, oh, well, just the last three months... I bought me a gallon of whiskey, and I'm just going to drink myself into a coma, because that's what I learned in DUI school. You can drink yourself. So it was all that self-pity, and it dawned on me that that was my plan. And I said, ah, I don't have to have that plan anymore. And I popped the back of that seat, and I grabbed a gallon, a couple of gallons of Jack Daniels, and I just, bloop, bloop out there. Now, I did throw the bottles away. I didn't throw them out of, the middle of nowhere. But I. But it's because he began to reveal that plan as to why even the grace came to begin to see purpose, meaning in life. And I finished that little rodeo area about midnight, and I got home. I lived at home at that time, and and I, and I came in the house, and normally I would come in the house, probably staggered, and mom and dad would be praying for me. Well, this night, they were asleep. And because, like I said, my mom had Crohn's disease. We didn't know at that time, even that's what it was. Very sick. And all I know is instead of sneaking down to my room like I would normally do at the end of the hallway, I just busted their door open and I plopped on that bed. What's going on? I'm glad you asked, Mom and Daddy. I got saved tonight. What? 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 When you were seven and a half, you got baptized. I said, I know, I know. That's okay. I said, but tonight I got saved. And they just couldn't believe it. They were in bewilderment. They couldn't believe it. Well, just turn a new leaf over. Just go to bed, son. You got work tomorrow. Okay. But you know what? When God comes to you with his favor that you're not seeking out like Mary, you don't deserve it like Mary or like you and I, but yet when he bestows that grace and favor upon you and begins to unfold the plan of it, you get a deeper peace. It doesn't just scare you anymore. You get a deeper peace and you begin to see purpose and that's what the angel did the virgin is told god's plan so that she could have peace about what just happened and she could see purpose in what is going to happen because you think about it in her day she had never known a man right she'd never had any relationships with a man intimately she's betrothed to joseph over here I don't know all the process, but it's later on. They're going to get married, and then they'll consummate that marriage. And she's being told by an angel of God that miraculously God is going to place his son in your womb, and you're going to be pregnant. That would be scary in her day. In our day, it may be a little shameful, but in her day, it would have been scary because Now she's going to have to explain to Joseph what this little growth is after a while. And she's going to have to go out in public and have to explain that. So on one hand, she's going to look at everybody and say, look, you won't believe this, but I've had a virgin birth in my womb and I haven't been with Joseph. They ain't going to believe that. She is at the threat of being stoned to death. And that's favor. That's grace. Yeah, because he he explained to her, he told her, this is the plan. I know it doesn't look like what man would do because man would do this and then get you stoned to death, but this is what I've got planned. And, and he unfolded that plan to give her peace and purpose. He says, do not be afraid and don't be confused by what man is saying about your pregnancy. Don't be afraid. The virgin is given God's favor when she doesn't deserve it. The virgin is told God's plan for peace and for purpose. Then in verse 34 and 35, the virgin is bearing God's son. 34 and 35. Then Mary said to the angel, How can this be, since I do not know a man? And the angel answered and said to her, The Holy Spirit will come upon you. And the power of the Most High will overshadow you. Therefore, also that Holy One who is born will be called the Son of God. He's telling her there will be no cohabitation. There will be no weird or immoral going on. God's just going to miraculously, by the Spirit of God, conceive His Son in your womb. Place Him there. As a man, but yet the Son of God. The virgin is bearing God's Son. This idea of having God's Son sparked an awe within Mary about God because she said, How can that be? Did you know it's okay to come to God with questions? Matter of fact, it's highly recommended. Now, sometimes he may say yes, he may be no, he may give more clarity. Sometimes he may say not right now, or that's beyond your pay scale, or whatever it is. But in this case, God had showed her favor. He had told her the plan, and here she is thinking, I'm going to have the son. How can that be? If I've not been with a man, uh, am I going to be with God? I mean, that's her question. How does that happen? And he says, look. I know, th- I know this has sparked some awe on you, but you know what? God's son not only has sparked the idea of awe concerning God, but God's son demands a miracle from God. This is a miracle. He reveals to her, "Oh, so you're wondering how that's going to work. Well, the spirit of God's going to hover over you and overshadow you, and the child's going to be put in your womb. No weird things going on, nothing immoral, nothing creepy or paranormal. But it demands a miracle. In other words, if this is going to happen, Mary, now that we've showed you favor and told you the plan to give you peace and purpose, this bearing of this child is going to take a miracle. Now, one reason it takes a miracle is, like I said, he has to be fully God, but yet fully man, right? But yet without sin. Another reason it has to be a miracle is because if Mary can have any part of making it happen or whatever, then guess who gets the glory? Guess who gets the credit? Not God. It's if At best, it's shared. But in this case, he says, this son that, that you're having, yes, it has put you in awe of God. But it's going to be uh, demanding your awe in God for a miracle. It has to be a miracle for the Son of God to be born there. This virgin is bearing a son that demands a miracle. On one hand, when she says, how can this be? I'm sure she's thinking, I'm just a lowly, humble-natured person. Who am I? But at the same time, the angel says, well, it's going to take a miracle. This is how the miracle is going to happen. And then she understands I may be of lowly nature, but he is of eternal, holy nature, and he can make this happen beyond man, beyond my control, beyond what I understand. The virgin is bearing his son. Then in verse 36 and 38, the virgin is trusting God's will. So on one hand, she had had an encounter where the angel said, you're favored. God has bestowed upon you grace when you weren't seeking him, when you don't deserve him, but God has given you grace. And she goes, what? He says, well, let me tell you the plan. And that'll give you some peace. It'll explain some purpose. And then she says, but how can it be? I mean, how is this going to happen? And God says, well, this is how it's going to happen. I know you're in awe, but God's going to create a miracle to birth his son in you. And so therefore, in all this, array of not only what's happening between her and the messenger of God and God and Jesus and everything also knowing what man's going to think also thinking the direction that man may go to stone her to death thinking at best she's thinking about Joseph maybe what's going to happen well in the midst of all those emotions in the midst of all those consequences and truths and everything she's just trying to swallow it up the virgin is trusting God's will. Look at verse 36 to 38, how she trusts God's will. Now, indeed, Elizabeth, your relative, has also conceived a son in her old age. In other words, this ain't the only kind of miracle God can do. God has birthed a child in your older cousin, Elizabeth, who is a age that doesn't birth. So God, God's at work here, Mary. He says, look, trust me, your cousin Elizabeth, your relative, has conceived a son in her old age. And he says, and this is now the sixth month. And you know, and she'd been pregnant for six months. And uh, for her, and, and who was called barren, she was once called barren. God did a miracle there. Why can't he do a miracle on you? And he goes on to say, for with God, whether it's Elizabeth's case or Mary's case, for God, for with God, nothing Will be impossible. Then Mary said. In the threat of man's. Ideas. What's going to happen. In light of what God has revealed to her. By his grace. Then Mary said. Behold. The maidservant of your Lord. I surrender. I'm your maidservant. Behold the maidservant of your Lord. Let it be. According. To your word. In other words, how you say it, then just let it happen. Your will be done, not mine. And the angel departed from her. This virgin has been given grace that she doesn't deserve, she wasn't seeking. She was told a plan to to, to bring more personal peace and to give some kind of idea of purpose, direction. And this virgin was going to bear the son in awe and in a miracle, and then when she finally gets to that place where God allows her and, and, and leads her to trust him, she says, you know what? He just told me that Elizabeth's pregnant, and she's of old, and that this was going to happen to me. It's a miracle. Well, you know what? If Nothing's impossible. God, she sees in this trusting, she understands what the word said, because she says, At your word, I surrender. She understands that God will make this possible. And she understands even fuller, God will make this purposeful. Because listen, there's no telling the rumors that are going to go on in that little town. There's no telling the condemnation that's going to go on that town because she's pregnant and she said, I don't know a man she's telling the truth. And we know she's telling the truth because we're reading black print on white paper, right? And it's the word of God. But doesn't mean the town will believe. doesn't mean even Joseph or, or her family will believe. But as she surrenders and trusts God, she says, I'm going to trust God to make this possible. He did it for Elizabeth, what the angel saying. Well, he can do it for me. It's just a little bit different, but it's still a miracle because nothing's impossible. God, God will make this possible. And in spite of... What people are going to think, God will make this purposeful. I'm going to do this God's way, and I'm going to do it because it's God's will. That's what she says. So at this supernatural conception of the Savior, this, this virgin woman named Mary, who's no different than any other woman other than at that moment, God bestows upon her a grace that she doesn't deserve, she's not seeking out. And it blows her mind. And it even brings a little fear. And he says, don't be afraid. Be at peace. I'm telling you, God has favor on you. And this is the plan. And as he unfolds that plan of her bearing a child, she begins to understand that, oh, well, it's a miracle. So I don't have to do anything. I just receive God's grace. It's a miracle. And in that miracle, she finally just trusts in what God said he would do. He'll make it possible. He'll work out the details. All things will work together for my good. Those who love God, call according to his purpose. So in this uh, supernatural conception of the Savior, it is given, this, this, this conception, this miracle conception, it was given by God through his free grace to all of us and by his full favor so that there would be a message that a son has come who is fully God, but yet fully man, but yet without sin, that could be the just one dying for the unjust, those that deserve judgment, those that are already, John would say, condemned because we hide from God. We do not seek him out by nature. And so this conception, this supernatural savior, he is being given out of free grace and, and full favor for the very purpose of, of a plan, of unfolding a message, a message we call good news, the gospel, a miraculous story in this conception that he might come and die for the sins of all the world. So this immaculate conception, this miracle supernatural conception is is necessary not only for him to be qualified to be the Savior and the one who sacrifices himself for us, but it is so it is a miracle so that when you and I share it, it's not something we came up with. It's not a great idea. It's not just something we brand. We just look at each, we look at people too and say, "Look, there was a time in my life when I didn't deserve anything from God. I wasn't seeking God, and He opened my eyes." And showed me grace and favor. And we, we give them as much as we can to, to unfold that plan and how it works and purpose. But through that testimony, it shows a miracle has happened. Just like in the conception, a miracle has happened. So that people will truly believe it's God. It's not a man-made religion. It's not a man-centered religion. It's, it's, it's just God. So this supernatural conception of the Savior was the only way that this could unfold as a miracle so that when we do preach the gospel, when we do share and live out the gospel, it's still a miracle so that ultimately they will hear our words of what we have seen and heard and know to be true. As a believer, as someone who has trusted Christ, we need to know that God came to us first, right? He engaged it. Now, you may have went to church because someone invited you. You may even be curious about the things of God, perhaps. But in reality, you aren't seeking God until maybe he stirred your heart. Otherwise, you were just doing something religious like I was. But we need to know as a believer, we need to understand that that's how salvation works. God came to us first. And in that coming, whether it was a series of times or a a, a blazing moment like mine was, or over years of learning things on the flannel board of Sunday school as I grew up, God came to us and revealed to us, Christ is the truth, the way, and the life. And it was in that moment that, that God found us. He left the 99 and sought us out. And he came to us and found us. And in that finding, when we, when, when he opened our eyes and regenerated our heart to give us life, We could believe then, and we responded with belief, turning our back on sin, our face to the Savior. That's how salvation works. And that ought to bring a little bit of uh, awe, like Mary when she found out she had favor. It ought to bring us uh, to a place of maybe asking questions, more about just that very elementary thing of salvation. It ought to bring us to a place where we're at peace, With not only what has happened, what God is doing, but be at peace and surrender to what's the purpose. What today, Lord? That would be the application to a believer. Because we love him because he first loved us. What would the application or invitation be to a non-believer? I would say to someone who has never experienced that grace that is just, opened your eyes and, 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 and caused you to love God now like you've never loved him before. I would say to that lost person, like Mary, you're just doing life. You're doing fine. You might be listening online. You might be here within the sound of my voice. You're just doing life. You're just doing your thing. You may be in the mullygrubs grubs like I was, feeling and serve yourself. You might be as happy as a lark today, but you're just doing life like Mary was just doing life. And perhaps maybe today, Like Mary, God has nudged you. God has tugged on you. God has revealed something to you perhaps today as a lost person. And you're beginning to realize, oh, there is a God. I need to do something. I need to respond. Perhaps you're here today like Mary, minding your own business. But God is nudging. God is tugging. And what we would tell you as a church is that listen to that tug. Listen to that nudge. And just like she asked the angel, the messenger questions about that moment, feel free to come to me, one of these people that perhaps you trust, or maybe, maybe you don't even know who they are, but you just feel led to. Go to that person. Ask those questions. Tell them what God is dealing with you, stirring your heart about. And if they can't figure it out, we'll figure it out. But what I want to do is, Brother Ken and then come for the, the music of invitation. I want to pray for us during this time of invitation, this time of inquiry. And during this time of inquiry, uh, there's only two people that are being invited to respond to this. You're either lost or you're saved, right? We're either sheep or we're goats. And, and so this time of inquiry, this time of reflection, is a time where you and I who are believers can, can begin to say, Wow, Lord. Never really saw myself in Mary, but there I am getting something I don't deserve. Definitely something that I, I didn't really seek out outside of when you were, dragging, when you were tugging my heart. And Lord, I, I see myself in Mary. Or perhaps maybe you're here today and you do not know the Lord. This is a time where you can inquire. Inquire right where you're at. You can come up here and inquire. Whatever your response is, but it demands a response because we've heard God's word. And hopefully and prayerfully, his spirit has nudged and stirred. So listen, if you are lost today, I want my prayer for a lost person is these three things. I would pray that they would see their need to be saved. That they would know that they heard clearly that Jesus Christ is the only one that can save them from their sins. And number three, once they see their guilt, once they see God's provision through Jesus Christ, they would simply answer that call and that tug, and say, Lord, save me, a sinner. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, as we come to this time of invitation, this time where we inquire and reflect, I pray for the believer that their hearts will be enriched with your wonderful grace that you bestowed upon us, that they would be thankful and grateful And be willing to share that with other people that you put in their path. Father, there may be someone here or within the sound of our voice on the computer that's lost. But they're beginning to see just how lost they are. That there is no hope. But you're also revealing to them that Jesus is their hope. We pray that they would see that and know that and simply the Spirit of God would lead them to cry out to you to be saved from their sins. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Whatever your need is, if for some reason you feel like you can't come forward, your legs hurt or something, wave at me. I'll come back and minister to you. I may have to have someone turn off a mic when I'm doing that, but I'll feel free to let me know. I'll come to you too. But whatever your need is, please stand for the hymn of invitation, Brother Ken. We'll sing page 502. Let me pray for you. I want to thank you very much. I know we're in the honeymoon stage. I tell you what, this is just, I mean, I've been doing one thing for about 10 years with Simple Southern Baptist Church and Midway, and it's all fine, it's all good. But to come here, and I'm just going to brag on you, you're functioning as a body. You don't have a dog and pony show up here. You're functioning as a body. You're doing your role, you're pl- you're doing your thing, and, and it's just a blessing to me and Karen to see that. Not that we've never seen that before in a church, but just the last ten years, I mean it's been fine. I've been in a lot of wonderful ministry. But it's nice to know that uh that I can come here and amongst like minded people, people that are looking for purpose. It just uh, we're still I'm well, I don't know about Karen, but I'm still a little overwhelmed, okay? I'm just telling you, so I'm in awe right now. I'm in the honeymoon stage. I'm gonna give you give you goo goo eyes and everything, and that's okay. And then your real your real stuff will come out, my real stuff will come out, and we'll go, Oh uh, forgiveness. Love our brothers, we love ourselves, right? As we love the Lord. So so but it's just it's pretty amazing. And of course, I mean, I, I'm just gonna bag, brag on Miss Betty there. I mean, I did pastor, my first church was her church, so so it, it kind of reminds me a lot of Valley View. Everybody had their role, they did their thing, they supported one another. And, uh, and so it's just good to be back in that body of believers. It feels healthy. So, so if I get a little emotional sometimes or excited, I'm not going to apologize for that because it's just real. But I want to pray for you as you head out, and um, let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we come to you this morning. We thank you so much for uh, a local fellowship that we can come and gather And worship you, Father. Worship you in prayer, through music, through your word, through just simple fellowship and truly caring, actively loving one another, concern, not just feeling good. And Father, we pray for our church as we walk into this time of the journey to the manger that it just becomes a, a rich time for us to not only worship together fellowship do things together but of ministry that there might be somebody that you place in our life this week they probably know the christmas story Mary. perhaps they don't but you would give us courage you would give us some sense of clarity and compassion to uh, to share with them what we know and we'll trust you father to to stir that heart and uh, to manifest your grace So, Father, we come to you today because we are saved. We do come seeking you. We know we still don't deserve you. But your son gives us confidence that we know, that we know, that we are the children of God. And, Father, we thank you for that. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. You're dismissed, Lord. I'll see you back tonight.